Hey folks, Duncan Keeney here to say that the Progress Report is a proud member of the Harbinger Media Network. A new pod on the network that I want to highlight is the latest from Invisible Institutions, hosted by Megan Marie. This is a documentary podcast that explores the history of institutions for people labeled with intellectual and developmental disabilities, and their latest episode focuses on the Manitoba Development Center, uh, lovingly labeled the Hellhole, and the century-long fight to close it, which, uh, spoiler alert, they have managed to get a promise to close it, though it is still open right now. We're also talking about a collaboration episode right now with Invisible Institutions on Alberta's long engrossed history with institutionalized eugenics. But that's all for now for other podcasts on the network. Now, on to the show. Friends and enemies, welcome to the Progress Report. I am your host, Duncan Kinney, recording today here in Amiskwichiwaskaigan, otherwise known as Edmonton, Alberta, here in Treaty 6 territory on the banks of the Kasiskasawanisipi, or the North Saskatchewan River. And uh, as you may have noticed, if you pay attention to education policy here in the lovely province of Alberta, Jason Kenny has decided to go all in on something called charter schools. Uh, recently, he's recently uh, found religion about this this relatively obscure part of the uh, the education world. He set aside some seventy five million, nearly seventy five million dollars to fund them. He's throwing pressers at charter schools. He's talking about school choice, and so today, you know, the reason why we are we brought on Wing Lee, who is the communications director with SOS Alberta today, is to talk about charter schools and discuss why all of a sudden Jason Kenny has become so hot for them. So. Wing, thank you for joining us here on the Progress Report. Thanks for having me today. So yeah, so am I wrong in in kind of saying out there that it just seems like it's been all charter schools all the time for the past couple of weeks with this government? Yeah, they are really going full throttle on this pet project of theirs. Um, it dates back to when they got elected. It was in their platform, how they want to do more choice and prioritize private options. But it seems like the past two weeks with the budget, the talk has really surfaced about them, the UCP, wanting to fully back charter schools and bring them into the broader conversation. Yes, it has been a very concerted public relations effort uh, by Kenny and the UCP to to pump up these charter schools, which are again are still a, a very tiny proportion of overall students in uh, in this province. But as we will discover, there is there are good uh, well not not good, but there are material reasons why <laughs> Jason Kenny and the UCP are so invested in the success of charter schools, and I think. One of the challenges we face when we discuss this topic is really just the like the knowledge gap. Like, what are we talking about when we are talking about charter schools when we strip away all that conservative rhetoric? So what we're talking about are publicly supported, funded schools, but they are autonomously operated. So they're not operated by locally elected boards by the general public in the community. Um, these are private boards. Sometimes there are groups of parents that volunteer there. And there are many different interests that are represented in these sort of niche um, school boards, per se. So at the core, they receive per 100% per student funding, right? So they look like public schools, but when you strip away 
the surface, you don't see that it's publicly accessible. Uh, they actually get a lot of kickbacks uh, by being, you know, in the public system because they, they take over their schools, but then the school board has to pay their maintenance, right? So there's a lot of hidden gems, if you will, behind what a charter school really is. And I think they flew under the radar for decades. And now people are just realizing all of this backdoor policy that applies to them. And and charter school is a bit of a misnomer too. These are really like charter school boards. Like once you get a charter, you can open up as many schools as you would like, right? Yeah. So the charter applies to an authority um, and the authority can operate many campuses. So there are situations in Calgary where one chain operates, you know, seven or eight campuses. Uh, you know, they can call one a high school, call one a middle school, but that falls under one authority according to the government out of the 16 that have been approved so far. And we, we do have a reading series today that we're going to get into a, a really well done piece of investigative journalism from Salon about charter schools in the United States that we're going to talk about. Uh, but I think we there's still just a bit of basic knowledge that we need to get off the ground about charter schools in Alberta. So, so when did we get charter schools in Alberta and why? Yeah, so they were introduced in Alberta in 1994. So when Rav Klein was reelected in 93, this was part of his education reform platform. At the time in the 90s, the governments, you know, around the world were thinking about how to offload costs. Uh, you know, they were bringing in free market forces to cut down their budgets, and that meant offloading to the private sector. So charter schools came into Alberta, and they only are still in Alberta and Canada. We're the only province with them. Um, under the idea initially that they would be uh, a, a center of choice, right? Uh, we need to improve our education system because parents are confronted with this monopoly of quote unquote, state schools or government schools. And that's government, government, evil government. Yeah, schools exactly. Very common, common rhetoric you see from, from like the school choice, private and charter school uh, advocates. But yeah, so 94, Ralph Klein, neoliberal hell has descended. And, and, and even though charter schools were introduced in Alberta in 1994, for the past 27 years, 28 years, every other province has looked around at charter schools and said, uh, no thanks, while Alberta is like, mm-mm, yummy, yummy. We love our <laughs> charter schools. We love them so much. It's really made everything so much better. Uh, but as you say, in the past few decades, it has represented a small proportion. And the UCP and maybe following conservative governments want to expand that because a lot of it's based in ideology, although the guise that they presented to the public is school choice. Um, notwithstanding that we already have tons of choice in the public system as it. Yes. Uh, and yeah, the numbers wise on, on percentages, like we're talking about by my math, 1.3% of total students by okay. the government's math, one and a half percent. So that's like 10,000 total students in are in charter schools in Alberta. Uh, by comparison, uh, there's a, just under 40,000 students in private schools. Um, so, you know, again, it is the like smallest sliver of that, like uh, between, you know, privates and charters, but still it's, it's a, it's the thin edge of the wedge. Right. And they are idea, an ideological project that is like 
at its core, committed to the destruction of public education as a concept. So it's it's worthwhile to know your enemy, know what we're talking about here. Uh-huh. I also think it's worthwhile to point out that like the sales pitch to charter schools is is that they are intended as to uh, to focus on or to like test out a particular learning style or teaching style or philosophy or pedagogy that is not already offered by a school division like that is essentially how they get their their charter quote unquote charter is to be like look this school division our our public school boards aren't offering x program but we will offer x program and that's why you have to give us a charter and that's the like you know that's the like public facing sales pitch right Right. That's the approval process that they say to the public. Um, So what changed is that the Choice in Education Act by the UCP got rid of consultation with school boards. In the past, I think, especially in Edmonton, if a group was like, hey, you don't offer X programming, they would have to approach the local school board. And there have been instances where they created programs in the public umbrella to meet those demands. And now anyone can start a charter and circumvent the school board. So that lack of cooperation undermines the idea that it really is about meeting special uh, or unserved, unserved populations. Now. Yeah, or testing out new educational methods or whatever kind of malarkey they're kind of like is in their marketing. Yeah. Like, and Well, if you're going to test something out, then like fold it back in if it works, right? They were supposed to kind of go off, test something, report back, and there's never been a process of the reporting back. You just, they just kind of exist in perpetuity with no follow-up of what's Yeah, there are, there, are, there are charter schools in Alberta that have existed since like the mid-90s, you know, 1995, 96, 97, they got their charters. And it's like, does it work? We don't know. Should, <laughs> should, their, should their lessons be integrated into the school system well shrug emoji you know yeah and uh the 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 last and kind of most obvious question we have to ask before we get to the reading series is like why do conservatives like charter schools so much conservatives are so intent on the theory that the free market will fix all our problems right if you gave people choice and the competition model between uh products will make things more efficient. Uh, You'll get better outcomes when the private sector steps in because they're using their own capital. They're using their own exploited labor. We know it's exploited, but in a way, conservatives love the idea that small government, small taxes will get you better results. And it just doesn't apply in in a public good like education. That's such a pillar of a thriving society. Yeah, you, you need uh, a, a strong and functioning public education system in order to have a society. And conservatives look at that and they're like, but what if we destroyed it? Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, the other obvious reasons why public education or why charter schools are so popular with conservatives, um, you know, as you mentioned, there's no accountability. There's no elected school board looking over their shoulder. There are uh, no unions. Uh-huh. It's yeah. a fantastic way to break the unions of teachers and educational assistants and admin workers and janitors and maintenance people. You know, they are paying less in labor costs because they are not they are dealing with a non-unionized workforce. Yeah. Um, you know, they get free money, uh, as you were saying, they're 100 percent funded at a per student level. And, and as we are seeing now, now they're getting capital from the provincial government. So that's free real estate as well. And if you're an ideological true believer in, you know, pick a project, 
you could start your charter school and you get to essentially like you get a whole bunch of captive children in order to, you know, indoctrinate into whatever it is that, that, that you believe in. Right? And I would say it also preys on on the generation of parents that are fearing of missing out right in the age of social media. We're like, are we doing enough for our kids? And there are some videos out there that show, you know, Weber Academy, um, a private school uh, that say, you know, some parents really sacrifice to have their kids here because they want the best for their future. And it's like, well, what about parents that just can't, they don't want the best for their children, right? It's, it's just preying on that fear of missing out. Um, which is predatory um, and it's exploitative of the vulnerabilities of parenting in an age that, you know, you don't, we don't need to be competitive. Um, we just need everyone to have equal access. Yeah. And it's important to emphasize that if you have your kid in a charter school and you're just a, like a regular ass person and not some like ideological freak who wants to destroy the public education system, like we are not judging you. We are, mm -hmm. we are casting judgment on the system yeah. that we have in Alberta. And it's always important to be hard on systems and gentle with people. Yeah. But so you forwarded this piece to me, Wing, and I think I liked it so much that I was like, oh, yeah, we have to like discuss it uh, on the pod because it really is a like the playbook for <laughs> for what we are likely to see in Alberta if we continue on the path that we are on when it comes to charter schools. It is a, a story published March 17th in Salon. Uh, which is an online news magazine. Uh, the headline is The Far Right's National Plan for Schools, Plant Charters to Fund Public Education. And uh, before we get into the particulars wing, you know, is there anything about this piece that you want people to know about before we kind of get into it? Like, how did you even come across it? Uh, it was sent around in our SOS chat group because um, it was, it came out kind of last week, right? Yeah, March yeah. 19th, you said. It came out right at sort of the presser, uh, press tour that Jason Kenney was on. And the distinction of the story is that it is such a parallel to what we're seeing unfolding. Uh, there are a lot of truth bombs in it as well, um, that when the people are interviewed, they just really admit the flaws and the weaknesses of the charter system. And it kind of it kind of shows us our, our adventure will end there. You know, the choose your own adventure, like this could be our destination. And that was really jarring. Agreed, agreed. All right, so here is, I'm going to start reading the piece right now. The Orange County Classical Academy, uh, we'll be referred to as OCCA throughout the piece, part of Hillsdale College's Barney Charter Schools initiative, opened its doors in August 2020 with a combative flair. The school fl flew a pro-police thin blue line flag and announced its adoption of a sex ed curriculum, quote, designed to support parent authority and family values, unquote which an ACL review has found includes the suggestion that LGBTQ students may outgrow their orientations or identities and that women who have abortions are destroying themselves. While other school districts around the country stressed over masking or whether to open in person or at all, OCCA advertised its complete lack of pandemic restrictions. <laughs> uh, yeah, which, you know, mm. um, we already have like public schools that are already doing that here in Alberta. Yeah. Up in like La Crete and Mackenzie County. Yeah. Uh, an FAQ on the school's website makes clear that like Hillsdale itself, it offers a classical education focused primarily on the quote, history and cultural achievements of Western civilization unquote, which it sees as, quote, the heritage of every scholar at OCCA, unquote, no matter where they come from. 
students primarily read the works of white men, since the great leaders, thinkers, scientists, writers, and artists of Western civilization have mostly been white men. That's a quote from their marketing materials. <laughs> while, while teachers will discuss historical bigotry or discrimination when appropriate, they won't judge historical figures by modern standards. In sum, it's a plan tailor-made to address the conservative complaints of the past two years, which OCCA co-founder Jeff Bark says has now earned the school a 1,000-student waitlist, largely from conservative homeschooling families. So yeah, there's there's the like intro to the OCCA. <laughs> um, there you go. Uh, you know, this story is quite long and detailed. There's more that we're going to read from it. But like, yeah, I think that gives a hint of the like the what you can get from a charter school system, right? Which is like an unabashed ideological project, which is uh, particularly associated with a particularly virulent form of like uh, white supremacy and, and like conspiracy theory stuff and, and anti, anti-health information. <laughs> yeah. Anti pro COVID, I guess is probably a better way to frame that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pro virus. Yeah. There's a bunch of stuff in here about like how they got the charter, like eventually like, they ended up throwing a bunch of money at like, uh, uh, they ended up having a majority on like the school board uh, for like the county. Uh, you know, the the critics. There were three critics to four proponents for this. You know, the the conservatives who were for this charter school received nearly their entire campaign budget from a PAC affiliated with the California Charter Schools Association, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know you you hate to see, and, and also is um, you know stuff like that is very common in Alberta with PACs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and the other uh, the other uh, part of this that's like also you we find in Alberta is that there were very close familial and uh, social links between like, you know, the, the politicians in play, in play, like in this case, the Florida's education minister uh, was married to like a person who was on the board member of like uh, one of these like classics schools, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we see this in Alberta too, right. With p- people with conservative connections being involved in either starting up charter schools or can, you know, working on the boards of charter schools, working in the, the charter school system, right? Yeah, I really have to ask how those connections are helping. Um, you know, most people, this is kind of inside baseball, right? If you don't know the history of some of the candidacies that have fallen through in parties, but they also get to have they, they continue to have their friendships, right? So behind closed doors, they're influencing policy on one one hand, but what other kickbacks are being handed under the table um, using the new legislations that are being more lenient? So it's a pattern too. It's not just one person. It's sort of, oh, these charters crop up and, and it's kind of easy to follow the connection. Um, you know, they, they were public candidates at one point, right? They were they were in the news. And if you are a listener that follows the money, I guess, it's, it's pretty easy to see mm-hmm. that these are kind of pet projects and in a way becomes a sort of racket to, you know, profit a bit off their friends still being in positions of making policy. 
So Florida's education minister, a man named Richard Corcoran, is kind of like reported on extensively in the piece as well. And it goes, Richard Corcoran, who has reportedly suggested cutting the public school system by two thirds and whose brother has worked as a lobbyist for a charter school management company, spoke at Hillsdale the same year, telling the school's attendees to view education as the battlefield where Republicans could win the political war. In that fight, Corcoran said steady progress towards school privatization was being made. As Florida Republicans move closer to achieving their stated long-term goal of making 100% of the state's students eligible for school vouchers, Corcoran suggested that once the state manages to lure one and a half million students away from public schools to get those kids across the Rubicon, as he put it, the resultant loss of funding and forced consolidation would alter the educational landscape so radically that not even future Democratic governors could change it back. Indeed, they might be getting close already, he said, with almost a third of that number already using vouchers or in charter schools. You can't take those 500,000 kids and bring them back into the public school system, so you have to keep doing what we're doing as quickly as we're doing it, he said. And that really is the like the the strategy here, right? Like it's the long-term crippling of the public education system by just getting as many students out of it as you can. Yeah, and I think timing here too for us is on the heels of a pandemic. The acceleration of charter school expansion is strategic. Uh, They are hoping that future governments have a hard time putting the cap back on, right? Once you get that toothpaste out of the tube, it's hard to put it back in. And I think that speaks to why Jason Kenney is going so full full speed ahead. Um, It's a bit of this disaster capitalism at play. Yes, very much. Uh, agreed. Um, so this we'll link to this piece in the show notes and it's, it's very well done. It cites its sources. It skips all across the country to kind of like get you to the hot spots, right? Where it's like, this is at its core. These are always hyper local battles, right? Mm-hmm. The, these are battles at the, at the County level. These are battles at the neighborhood level you know, they've got to find a place to get a school set up and then they've got to get that, you know, usually they've got to find a, a, a friendly school board with which to cooperate, at least for the like building side, right? Like, and there are lots of touch points for people to fight back against these charter schools, but it's like every fight of this nature is one that's going to benefit the like the group that is thinking in the long term and has the, the considerable financial resources to devote to that kind of like long term strategy, right? Yeah, absolutely. There is money to be made, right? And when there is that force, it takes a lot of people power to fight back, um, especially grassroots organizations that are chronically underfunded. Uh, and getting people to understand what's happening takes a long time, right? It's This has been happening since the 90s, uh, even longer in the past in the States. So these are decades of ideological projects and getting people online to understand that this matters and before it happens in your neighborhood, right? That's the question is how do you get people aware and, you know, push their elected officials or vote for elected officials that are for public education in the purest form, um, that takes decades to sort of prime and, and move the people here, especially in Alberta. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you can't kill a public education system all at once. No. It's a long-term project. It's an erosion. So we always like to say this is an erosion. It's the long game 
they've been playing the long game, but there are going to be moments uh, that can't be undone. And so that's what the UCP is trying to do is having these caps removed and changing this legislation and doing it all at once. So it is harder in theory and, in, and maybe in practice to dial it back in enough in enough period of time to fix what was eroded. Uh, I'm going to close off with the kind of final few paragraphs from the salon piece. Uh, this is a quote. This is going to be a quote from uh, Mariana Oropeza, who's like a public education advocate. I think, like Corcoran said, the battle for America will be won in education, she said. There are so many wins for conservatives by privatizing education. They get to control the message, decrease taxes, get access to the hearts and minds of all the children in America. They get to kill teachers unions. That one can't be stressed enough. They basically allow for segregation academies. They're allowed to fund their own Christian views. All of these things are connected, she said. And it's happening on multiple levels, federal, state, and local. Quote, this is again a quote from Oropesa. They're going to keep plugging away because they have the resources. They have the connections and they have the vision. They are playing the long game. And while Hillsdale might not seem important now with 53 schools and all they have to do is, but all they have to do is get a few more states to adopt their standards and the game changes. That game changing moment may have arrived last month, but unlike previous charter school efforts, which have largely gone unnoticed outside affected local communities, and as journalist Jeff Bryant notes, have drawn little in, little protest from Democrats, Governor Lee's grandiose plans for Tennessee, early on in the piece they talk about what goes on in Tennessee, have sparked substantial pushback. State Democratic leaders have criticized the plan as academically unnecessary, an attack on public education. Education, And in the words of Democratic State Senator Ramesh Akbari, the retailing of a warped version of history. Local journalists have also accused Lee of seeking to create a network of publicly funded private Christian schools and Hillsdale of a backdoor form of money laundering. On February 28th, the ACLU of Tennessee filed an open records request seeking all records related to Lee's partnership with the college. Lee is the governor of Tennessee. To Frog, who's another public education advocate, uh, who's quoted in the piece, this is a heartening wake-up call. I've been advocating for public education for 10 years, and the last couple of years have been extremely difficult, she said. It seems sort of hopeless, and like everything is just rolling through the legislature. This time, though, things seem different. Perhaps it's the overreach, but I think it has awakened a lot of people to what the privatization movement is all about, which is not the well-being of students. So there you go. That's the piece. We will link to it in the show notes really does kind of lay out what the larger game plan here is when it comes to charter schools. And uh, uh, it certainly is grim, uh, even though it does, the story does end on that hopeful note, right? Yeah, it does. It, it's a bit terrifying to see the parallels for us. I think you could name people that are like the, the parallel character in this story uh, in our political landscape, right? We have, we do have opposition that, seems to have enabled some of this too and because it's like oh education's always going to be around because it's only this one percent and we need to take the lessons that are learned here and it could be us and this this classical academy uh you know approach i mean that's the name of the the the, 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 the charter school that's in the lead of this piece i mean alberta is getting its own kind of like version of this classical academy it, and the first charter school in, in a in a in a while. I know I guess there was a charter school in like 2018 or something, but it's the first. It's the the newest charter school in Alberta. Will be opening this September, uh, and it's going to be run by Kaylin Ford, 
you remember Kaylin, you may remember Kaylin Ford as the candidate who resigned before being, uh, before running in the 2019 provincial election uh, for things that she said about the like, uh, the clash of like it was essentially like class of civilization stuff. I don't want to say too much about Kaylin Ford because I'm currently being sued by her. Uh, but needless to say, yes, like connected to the conservative movement. And if you've ever read it, if you've ever read anything, she's kind of like said, uh, she's a, a, a very strange person. <laughs> and now she's going to be running a school or is involved in the running of a school. Um, you know, other political players with connections to charter schools, Jeff Wilson, who's a former Wild Rose uh, MLA. What charter schools he associated with? He's um, associated with the FFCA, uh, the Foundations for the Future. And uh, Lisa Davis, who's a, a former uh, Calgary Public School Board trustee who ran on like a on like a conservative slate. Uh, she's involved in another charter school. That's correct. Yes, a STEM academy, because apparently we don't have STEM in public schools. That's sarcasm. No, That's sarcasm. Ste- <laughs> STEM does not exist. Uh, if you go to high school, you just can't learn anything about math no. or science. It's no just, science. No technology. Like, you can't touch a computer. <laughs> and again, this this does come on the back of $73 million for charters that was in the Alberta budget. That's $25 million in operating funding and $47 million in capital investment. And that capital investment is unprecedented there's to my knowledge there has never been this sort of investment in the actual like buildings and structures that charter schools happen in and the government is essentially giving them for charter schools free money to just like you know shore up their budgets when it comes to like the facilities that they have to have their schools in yeah they're getting a ton of kickbacks from multiple areas because they already have agreements with some of the public school boards they house them the cbe houses some of the charter schools and they get a dollar in rent from these nonprofit societies, quote unquote. So yeah, it's problematic. The other thing I would say too, is that sometimes charter schools will come into a neighborhood as competition uh, to, and they close out the neighborhood school. That's one threat that we face is that a kid living across the street from a charter school probably won't be admitted. And then they have to bust out of their neighborhood. And that's the geographical threat of how privatization can erode public education. And it it happens under the radar until you're like, I can't get into the neighborhood school. That's a charter. Yes, that is um, an incredibly frustrating part of this is that they, yeah, they're, they're parasitic on the public system, right? And they, they mm-hmm. show up in a neighborhood and can you even go there? I mean, you can apply. There's, there's no guarantee that you'll get in. Like they talk about how they, they, um, they don't turn people away, but that's like simply false. Like if more people apply, then there are people available, then there are spots available in the school. There's a judgment call about who gets in. Right? They absolutely turn people away because they can just say, well, our, our niche is in, I don't know, like farming. And if this child is not showing, you know, tendencies or inclinations to farming through our farming entrance exam, um, right? Like there's so, so many arbitrary excuses they've yeah. been legislated. And that is obviously an example <laughs> that I'm making up, but not that far from reality, right? When you're seeing, we have a special purpose. People that live in the community don't always fall under that. Yeah. And like, let's go through what some of these like charters are, right? Like 
Aurora Academic Charter Schools. This was this was a charter school where Jason Kenney did his uh, his his presser at. It's in Edmonton. It's had its charter since 1996, so uh, going on 26 years. Uh, who have they figured anything out? Oh, who knows? Their charter focuses traditional education. Um, you know the Calgary Ghouls, Calgary Girls School got its charter in 2003. It's all girls focused on fostering competent, confident, and caring young women. Um, Connect Charter Schools got its charter in 1997. Calgary based again, inquiry based, technology rich with outdoor and experiential education. Like I think we figured out that that's like good and that's been integrated into the public school system. Like field trips exist, computer labs exist. Mm-hmm. You know, check. Yeah, uh, yeah. Foundations for the future, which is the one that's um, that 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 former Wildrose MLA is involved with, Jeff Wilson. Academic excellence and charter and character education, whatever character education is. A uh, 1997, that one's existed. Uh, New Horizons Charter School, 1995, Sherwood Park, gifted education. Um, Valhalla Charter School, Scottish Charter in 2008, rural leadership and French as a second language through direct instruction. Like that's just like a handful of the ones, but like this is these these are the names. This is what their ostensible focus is, and this is how long they've been around, right? And, and with no accountability, right? Of of are you duplicating, right? The question of are you duplicating programs? And as you read that list out, I'm like, yeah, every school I know has some form of this already embedded in their curriculum. Which is some some other thing that I'd like to bring up is that this is kind of connected, right? The story of how this is a right-wing ideological imposition is at our back doors. You know, you see this in the curriculum that Jason Kenney is trying to push forward. And what I would like to push is that it's all connected. It's not one issue or the other because we love siloing our issues and like, what is Jason Kenney worst at? And (laughs) the bigger picture is that if you can push ideology in public schools as well as having your little niche charter schools, it's all erosion, right? All of it is fragmentation and also winning this culture war. Mm-hmm. And I think the way I want to close this out too is like, how, how do we solve the problem of charter schools? I, I would argue that it is it is a solvable problem and that 10,000 students out of like 740,000 students in the K-12 system in Alberta is like, like we could just be like every other province and get rid of charter schools. And, you know, here's the solution that I propose to get rid of charter schools. You don't just like snap your fingers and get rid of them all at once, though you could if you wanted to. Um, I argue there's a, a very simple solution here, even for a group as risk averse as the Alberta NDP. And that, that, and that is once the charter has had five to eight years to test out their pedagogical innovation or whatever it is that makes them special, the thing that they got their charter to do, they have to make a choice. They have to become a private school or they have to join a public school board. And like, I can look at that list and the vast majority of the charter schools that exist in this province have existed for more than five to eight years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 you know, like, you have to prove it. Like if what you're doing is useful to education, well then integrate it into the public school system. There's all sorts of public schools that have like special focuses, right? There are language focuses, there are STEM focuses, there are arts focuses within the public school system. So what makes you so special that you have to exist as a charter school in perpetuity, right? Yeah, totally agree. This is time for them to pick a lane, right? Are you going to be public or are you going to be private? Go private and be independent then. 
uh, if you want that exclusivity. But I think charter schools are, have been straddling this hybrid for too long. It's confusing, first of all. And that's the point, right? If you can call them public charters, which is an oxymoron, um, then you can get away with so much. So yeah, pick a lane. And it's really easy to be folded back into the alternative programming in many of these school boards. They already have them. Yes, all the big city school boards have reams of like alternative programming, as you call it, precisely as a response to like what happened in the 90s with charter schools and private schools. And, uh, and you know, like becoming a, becoming a private school in Alberta is not that bad. It, we have the highest levels of private school subsidies in the country. Again, we're the only we're the only province with charter schools, and we have the highest levels of private school subsidization in the country. And there there are provinces. There's Ontario has gives zero dollars to private schools, whereas Alberta gives seventy percent of what a public school would get on a per student basis that goes to a private school. Oh yeah, it's, yeah, uh, we we love them for some reason. <laughs> yes, we love private schools uh, in this province, and like go. If, if, if what you believe, if what you're doing at your charter school can't operate, you just can't countenance it with it being at a public school board, then like become a private school, man. Lots There are lots of private schools in this province. They're probably looking at charters like, hey, you get 100%? What? Maybe more privates will become charters this way to get more money. Yeah, it, it is a better financial arrangement. <laughs> it, it is true. Um, so there you go. That is the show on charter schools. Is there anything, you know, people think people need to walk away from this, uh, you know, podcast learning about charter schools. If there's one thing you wanted people to walk away with it, what would it be? Wing? I think it would be that we need to really examine what we think about education. Are we, are we going to continue thinking after a pandemic after and facing climate change? Are we really still stuck on education as an individual product? Are we still consuming you know, seeing this through a consumer lens when we understand that we need to have public infrastructure and public goods to get through any collective problem. So that is a, a think piece that I want people to to ponder. Uh, fantastic. I agree wholeheartedly. What is the best way for people to follow along with the work you and your friends at SOS Alberta are doing? You can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SOS Alberta. And you can also see our website, www.supportourstudents.ca. And you just all link to it in the show notes, but you did just recently put out like a, like a little short hit on charter schools as well, right? Uh, yeah. An info piece. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> a hit of information and in education for people. Yes. So feel free to read that, share that as well. Also, if obviously if you like this podcast, please share it with your friends. One of the best, ways that podcasts gain audience and power and influence is uh, by getting as many people as possible to listen to it. So, uh, you know, share with your friends, you know, leave a, uh, leave a review on Apple podcasts. That's also quite helpful. If you could do that, I haven't asked for people to do reviews in quite some time. Also with regards to even just the podcast itself existing, um, you know, one very helpful thing that you can do is you can join the 500 or so other folks who help keep this independent media project going by becoming a monthly donor. There is a link in the show notes as well as just theprogressreport.ca slash patrons is uh, where you can go to do it. Put in your credit card, contribute. Me and Jim really do appreciate it. Also, if you have any notes, thoughts, comments, 
things you think I need to hear, I am very easy to reach uh, on Twitter at, at Duncan Kinney, and you can reach me by email at duncank at progressalberta.ca. Thank you to Jim Story for editing this podcast. Thank you to Cosmic Famu Communist for our theme. Thanks again to Wingley for being an amazing guest, and goodbye. <laughs>